So the month of February is a very unique month in our calendar year. It is in February that we celebrate the expressions of love from our heart, Valentine's Day. It's in February that we celebrate the president's past, present. Uh, it is in February that we remember our history in, with the Black History Month celebration, looking at the past of how African Americans have struggled, you know, in this country uh, with injustices, but yet at the same time, we celebrate how we have come, you know, from the past into the present, knowing that we have a long way to go, but knowing that with grace and with community and with unity and with justice, uh, one nation of people, the African American community within that nation, we have come to learn what it means to live in community with each other. So I was curious in this month, uh, it's also the month that I celebrate my birthday and, and some others, so I was curious to see what was trending um, as the most important issues in the month of February. And you might be interested as I was interested to find out the top three trending issues in our nation on social network. Of course, the, the first one uh, was the acquittal of our president, you know, uh, through the Senate. And, you know, lots of conversations going on about that. The second one was the fact that um, Americans would be spending close to $50 billion in celebrating Valentine's Day celebrating love. I thought, wow. And then the third thing, of course, was uh, the buzz about what happened at the State of the Nation speech, where President Trump snubbed House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, and, and she retaliated by snubbing the president, you know, by tearing up his speech. And, and I thought, wow. There is so many things going on in this world, so many things of great importance, so many opportunities for, for the world to be able to come together with people who are suffering in different parts of the world, even in this country. But these were the top three things that were trending on social media. These are the things that captured the attention of so many people. But when I thought about love, and I thought about the fact that two of the highest ranking leaders in our nation chose to express their heart on national and worldwide stage uh, the way they did, it made me wonder, excuse me, <coughs> it made me wonder what would Jesus say to us in this day and in this time? So reading the scriptures uh, from today's gospel passage in Matthew 5 reminds me that we have a long, long way to go in understanding the heart of Jesus, understanding who we are called to be as Christians on this earth. We have a long way to go 
in understanding how we are to really understand and embrace the mind of God as revealed to us through the scriptures and especially through the gospel. So today I just want to highlight a little bit of Jesus' teachings from the Sermon on the Mount. The last time I stood before you all, I said the Sermon on the Mount really covers from Matthew chapter 5 all the way through Matthew chapter 7. Jesus is teaching his disciples about how they are to live in relationship with each other and in the greater community. Jesus is relying on the word, the law of scriptures, and helping his disciples in his time to understand that there is the letter of the law, there was the intent of the law when God gave it to Moses so that the people would live in community together. And, and over time, the people, the religious leaders of the Israelites took those laws and they interpreted them in different ways. They added over 600 more laws, you know, to help the people to understand how they were supposed to live daily in relationship with God and in relationship with each other. And somewhere along the line, all of that got distorted. Somewhere along the line, they moved further and further away from God. They, they decided that what they thought and how they believed people should live were more important than what God had to say about how they should live in relationship with God and with each other. So here we have the continuation of the Sermon on the Mount. And to tell you the truth, you know, every one of those principles that Jesus spoke about, every one of them could be a sermon by themselves. You know, but we don't have the time for all of that in this few minutes. So I want to highlight some points that Jesus would have us to reflect upon because we are all Christians. Our president of the United States, the House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, they are publicly professing Christians. And if they are to be for the nation, the world, and how we are supposed to live as Christians, it is a sad commentary on that day about what does it really mean to have the heart of Jesus. And I will tell you with everything we read in Scripture, the heart of Jesus is a reflection of the nature, the mind, the will, and the intent of God for God's human creation. Jesus says, if you see him, you have seen the Father. He says that he does nothing on his own, but everything that he did was because he was in oneness with God the Father so that God's people would know what it means to be created in the image of God. God's people will know what it means to love the way God's love. And God's people would know what it means to have the heart of God through Jesus Christ. So Jesus said to them in, in this particular passage, we call it the pericope, he's teaching his disciples and he says, you have heard it said, 
It's been said. He said it quite a few times. In other words, he's referring back to the law. The law says, you shall not murder. If you were to read Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments, you will hear all of that spelled out. God's command to God's people is God's moral law. In the Old Testament, we had the civil law, we had the ceremonial law, and, and, and here we are in this point in time where Jesus is expounding upon the moral law. He's saying, yes, the Lord said through Moses, thou shalt not murder. That's a sin. And Jesus says, but I say, I am giving you a higher standard by which you ought to live. He says, if you even have in your mind or in your heart anger towards someone, it is the same as saying you are murdered. You have murdered that person. How many of you have been angry with someone? Right? I know. I know I have been. I know there are times I've been angry with a lot of my family members. And the thought that comes in to your mind and the, the, the way it affects your heart and your emotion, it's not a pleasant thing. Have you ever been angry with someone and you, you spoke words that you, you, you act later on, you said, I wish I did not do that or say that? Jesus is saying to us, we need to check our hearts because we as God's people, we are to be in the process where we are being transformed into the likeness of Christ. He says, you know, Paul said it best in Romans. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When you hear that word heart in scripture, it is usually associated with the mind, the way we think, how our will is driving our action, our thoughts and our actions. So Jesus is saying the same way. He says murder. He says adultery. He says if you are making oaths, if you are swearing. He says for all of them, the law gives you guidance about this. He says, but I am telling you that there's a greater spiritual principle that's going to impact your heart. It's going to impact the way you think, the way you see other people, the way you relate to God and the way you relate to others in your midst. Be mindful that we who are Christian, we are on display to the world, folks. When you say that you are a Christian, you are saying to anyone within earshot that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. You are saying that you believe in everything that Jesus taught when he walked upon this earth. You are saying that you believe that you as a human being consist of soul, of spirit, and body. And you are saying to them when you identify that you are Christian, that your spirit has been made new by your profession of faith in Christ Jesus. You are saying that God, who is spirit and who is love, 
has now come in to your spirit, which we cannot see, but it exists. And God has taken up residence in your spirit. When you say that you are Christian to someone, you are saying that God who now lives within you is seeking to transform your soul, your mind, your heart, your will, your emotions. And from that transformation, it's going to be reflected outward because your body, your physical body, is the means by which we interact also in our environment. So Jesus is saying, if you are my disciples, there is this higher standard, this spiritual standard that you are called to live, to reflect to the world that I live in you and you are being transformed by that grace and mercy. It means that when we read the scriptures, we hear God in the past, in the Old Testament, as we heard in Deuteronomy, God is saying through Moses, the leader at that time, he's saying, look, I am about to take my people into the promised land. He says, and I have given you the law to give to your people. He says, but I want you to remind them that I have given them all the instructions that they need to know how to live in relationship with me and in relationship with each other. He says, and to remind them that if they were to be obedient to the instructions that I have given them, then they will experience life abundantly. He says, but if they do not abide by the instructions that I have given them, then the consequences will not be so good for their lives. And likewise, we come to the text that we hear the Apostle Paul talking to the Corinthian church, a church that was so divided because some thought, you know, that they, they received their, their instructions, their religious instructions from Paul, some from Apollos, from, from other people. And Paul is saying, you've, you've gotten this thing wrong. He says, look, it is God who gives us grace and the gifts of God so that we can live in right relationship with each other. He says the individual persons by themselves who instructed you, they by themselves, they are not God. They don't have the power to influence your life. Just like I am standing before you and I am conveying what the Spirit of the Lord has given me based on my time with God in Scripture. But I cannot make you accept salvation. You have to be able to hear that and to receive that and to know that God is God and God is the one who brings forth the fruit out of what we believe and what we do. And likewise, Jesus is saying, if you are following me, I expect you to live your life for as long as you have it upon this earth in this relationship with me where I am speaking to you and you, even though sometimes you don't want to hear it, you will go to this word and you will meditate on that word and you will say to God, help me to let go 
of the things that are not bringing good fruit into my life. What are those good fruits? We hear it in Galatians 5. Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, is joy, is peace, is patience, is kindness, is goodness, is self-control. All of these things that would bring forth good relationship with people that we interact with and also good relationship with God. So when we are talking about the heart of Jesus, know this church, know that if you profess faith in Jesus Christ, you already have Christ in you. And the heart of Jesus is the intent that God would have us to cultivate, to mature in. God does not want us drinking milk, infant formula, all of our lives. I've heard people say, yeah, I'm a Christian, so I'm not perfect. And I said, true, that's all of us. But are you going to stay there? Are you going to, how long are you going to keep on using this excuse? Will you mature? Will you grow in your faith, mature in your attitudes? Allow the light of Christ to truly shine forth so people who knew you in the past could say something is different about you. Oh, I remember you when you used to have this funky attitude. But now, you are a different person. That's what it means to have the heart of Christ. It means that gradually we are being intentional about how we study the word of Christ and how we apply those spiritual principles into our lives so that we can look differently to people who knew us as something other in the past. I often tell people, I said, I am not perfect. You know, I lived with Freddie over 40-something years. If you ask him, he might tell you a whole lot of stuff that y'all might say, wow. And then I can tell you a whole stuff, a lot of stuff about him. But one thing I will tell you is this. Freddie can never say that the person he married how over 40-something years ago? Don't let me say the wrong number. He can never tell you that the person he married then is the same person that he has today. He will tell you that she's a better woman. She's a better wife. She's a better mother, a better grandmother. And he will tell you she still has a whole lot of flaws. But you know what? He will also tell you that I see her trying every day, calling upon the Lord to really reflect the heart of Christ with people that she meets as well as in her family. Any Christian who walks upon this earth and look at another human being and cannot smile or cannot say hello to that person, I will question how much of Christ is really ruling in you. You are still infant. Even when people hurt you, 
even when you disagree with people on their points of position, there is a way that we who are Christians with Christ, the rebirth of Christ in our spirit, there is a way that we are to live. And I'm not pulling any punches. I'm feeling better now as I preach. So y'all might be in for trouble, right? Because this is too important. This is about eternal life. This is about eternal life that begins right here on this earth when we profess faith in Jesus Christ. And it's about where we are going to spend eternity after we leave here. So I tell people if the goal is eternity and we have the opportunity now to start now, oh my goodness, what will happen if we don't use this opportunity to prepare for where we're going to spend all of infinity with each other? When I saw what happened on that State of the Union address, I thought, oh Lord, help us, help us. Because if they are supposed to be the highest standard of who we are as a nation and how we relate to each other, then we are in serious trouble. But thanks be to God, we have Jesus. And Jesus says, I will forgive you as often as I need to forgive you. Because that's why I went to the cross. <clears throat> Thank God that we have the opportunity to repent of our shortcoming. When we fall, when we fall short of the mark of God's righteousness. Thank God that as long as as we live and breathe and the spirit of God is within us we can say I may not be who I want to be but thank God I am not who I used to be and that's the good news the good news is that as much as we allow Christ to transform us people will begin to see God more and more. What did Jesus says in Matthew 5, 8? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. God wants to reveal God's self through every single one of us. How are you allowing people to see God in you. Let us pray. Gracious God, thank you for the opportunity to share your word, to share your truth, to share your heart, God. Thank you that you hold us in the palm of your hand. Thank you that you are healing us and you are transforming us and you are allowing us to understand what it truly means to have the heart of Christ. Father, in this week we pray that you will continue to take this message and work within our heart. 
our mind, our spirit, our will. And oh God, may your light shine forth so truly others will see you in us and they may be drawn to your saving grace. All of these things we give you thanks for God. In Jesus' name with thanksgiving and the people of God say together, amen, amen, and amen.